I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. Good times make lazy people. Work on your game. 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 Approaching the game aggressively, with that aggression, with that confidence to dominate a game. Dre Baldwin, DreAllDay.com. Work on your game. My next live event called Work on Your Game Live will be taking place January 21st and 22nd, Miami, Florida. The two-day event will be covering leadership on day one, communication on day two. But let me tell you what's more important than even the material I'm going to give you on those two days, because you already listened to my show. You've read my books. You already know about me. You know I'm 100% substance all the time. No fluff, no garbage. But what's even more important than what you're going to get from me at that Work On Your Game Live are the people that you're going to meet. I get people coming to me all the time asking, Dre, I need better quality prospects. I need to build a network. I need to make connections. I want to have better and higher quality relationships. How does that happen then? It does not happen through your phone. It doesn't happen through social media. It doesn't happen on Facebook. It doesn't go down in the DM. You need to meet people face to face, person to person, eye to eye, look people in their faces and shake hands where you are physically in the same space as them. That's where real relationships get built. And you ask anyone you know who is very successful or a person you know who makes a lot of money, whatever you consider to be a lot, I guarantee you they have a whole lot of in-person, real-life relationships. doesn't mean they don't use the phone or computer, but those relationships get built and the real money gets made when face-to-face interactions and handshakes occur. If you want to be one of those people and you're ready to step up to that next level, you need to go to where the relationships and the connections are at. And the next place they're going to be at is in Miami, January 21st, 22nd, and work on your game live. Go to workonyourgame.live to get all details, register your seat, and I'll see you in Miami. That's workonyourgame.live. All my coaching programs are now open at workonyourgameuniversity.com. We have the self-directed learning where you can get access to 37 plus courses. That's over 2,800 lessons that I have created over the years. You can take them at your own pace and you get lifetime access to all of them. That's one level. The next level is the group coaching programs. I have the Bulletproof Mindset program and the branding and business program where you get live Zoom calls with me, where I do a training and an open Q&A, and you get the community access, member-only community, where you can make those connections and build relationships with other people who are on the same journey as you and are like-minded individuals that are just as serious as you are about working on their game. Third level is the Third Day Mastermind. That is the only place that I offer one-on-one coaching. That is for higher-level professionals and entrepreneurs who want the personalized, direct attention straight from me, not part of a group, but working with me one-on-one. All three levels, you can get access, you can get all details, and you can get started by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com. That's workonyourgameuniversity.com. You're now tuned in to the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically, and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you're expecting to achieve is yet to occur. And on top of all this, we're not done. You get a huge dose of personal initiative. That is the go-getter energy that moves all of us, including yourself. To go make things happen instead of wait for things to happen. Then we're going to put all this together into a bunch of frameworks, principles, strategies, things that can be applied in your life, in your business, in your sport, in your mindset 
a whole bunch of books, a daily masterclass that you're listening to right now that is called Work On Your Game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic is how there's more information out there, but people are actually dumber than they used to be. How is it possible? How is it possible we got more information, but people are actually less intelligent? I'm going to tell you how. Before I get into that, first, let me tell you that I send out a daily motivation text every morning to anyone who would like to receive it. It's unlimited how many people I can send it to. So if you want to get that daily motivation text, all you got to do is send me a quick hello text at the following number. That is 305-384-6894. Once you text me there, we confirm you. You can engage with me there as well. You can actually get a response from me because I do take time every day, a couple times a day to go through and check my messages and respond to any questions and comments and things like that. And of course, every morning you'll get the daily motivation. So the number is down below in the description, 305-384-6894. Now this topic, how does more information, but people are actually you know, less smart? Back in the late 90s, for those of you old enough to remember, I remember they used to have this commercial. I don't know who sponsored this commercial, probably one of the computer companies, but they would have, they would talk about this phrase called the information superhighway. Information superhighway was coming. And it wasn't a lie. That commercial was actually predicting the future because we did get that. We did get this superhighway of information. It was not that long ago that, I mean, 20 years ago, the internet existed, but it didn't have all the information that it has now. Now the internet has too much information where you could drown in it if you try to take all of it in. But back in, let's say, 2002, 2001, the year 2000, we had, you know, many people had computers. If you were on a, a college campus or on a school, you get access to a computer and you can go on websites and things like that. But there was only so much information. Information was very limited. Most news was still on newspapers. You still had to actually go get a physical newspaper to get news. It was very hard to, and depending on what kind of connection you had, maybe damn near impossible to watch video on a computer. All of this stuff is relatively, relatively new. I mean, if you're over the age of 25, this stuff didn't, in your lifetime, this stuff did not exist. It all came to exist you know, while we live right now. So this information superhighway does exist now. The highway did get built and there's a lot of traffic on it. So the question is, how does there seem to be less intelligence out there and less critical thinking happening these days, even though we now have access to all the information literally at our fingertips at all times? Let's get into that and figure out why. Point number one, topic once again, is how there is more information, but people are less smart. First reason is, easy one, is that the internet made us all lazy. This is what happens when I heard, I was just at a conference uh, recently, and Tony Robbins spoke on the last day of the conference. And one of the things Tony Robbins said was that good times make lazy people because everything's going good. So people stop working as hard, so they get lazy. And lazy people make for bad times because when people are lazy, you know, they're not doing stuff and things get worse. And then those bad times, you know what they make? They make people tougher. And when people get tougher, they start going to work. They start working on their games more. They, they become more critical in their thinking. They start working a lot harder. And when people are doing those things, what happens? They create good times. So it all goes around in a cycle. And you know, Tony was giving a, a bigger conversation just about how we're right now living in the winter. We're living in that winter season of bad times, which is going to create a lot more tough people right now. We're, we are living in the results of the fact that things were good for so long, that information superhighway that we were all cruising on, on cruise control. We were 
we were driving in autonomous vehicles. We weren't driving. We were riding in autonomous vehicles on this information superhighway for the last 20 years. And what has happened is we got lazy. We stopped using it. We became intellectually lazy. We became emotionally lazy. We became, when it comes to our thinking, we just became really, really lazy. We stopped thinking for ourselves and we start letting the internet think for us. And that's a big problem. I covered this in episode 1474 when I told you stop watching the news. You can't let the media, any kind of media, traditional or social, tell you what to think because now everybody has an agenda. It used to be they were just telling you straight up objective what was happening. That ship has left the dock. So you can't do that anymore. Now you got to do more work as it goes right hand in hand. I said this years ago. Again, I told you episode 1474. So you see what number episode we are on right now, right? So that was years ago that I told you this. This is way before I heard uh, Tony Robbins or anybody else say anything like this, is that now we have to work a lot harder, not a lot harder, but let's just say marginally harder to get more accurate information, which is what is toughening us up. It's making us stronger. That's going to make for better times when people realize that they have to do a little bit extra work to get the same result that we used to get without giving that effort is actually going to make us better as long as we get enough people thinking this way. And eventually things are going to occur. They're going to force everybody to do this, whether you want to think it or not. So I'll give you an example of how the Internet made us lazy. I just gave you one, as a matter of fact, when it comes to media and no, quote unquote, the news is not the news anymore because they'll just make up a story and create news if there is no actual news. For when I write, no, I don't even write with my hands. I don't write manually, like script or write on paper anymore. I do all my typing on a computer. Yeah, a computer. A smartphone is a computer. A laptop is a computer. I do all my writing there. So when I write my books, I do the majority of the writing for my books on my phone, not even on a computer, but I do a lot of it writing on the phone. When I write my articles, the emails that I send out, I do all that stuff either on a phone or on a computer. I don't do any writing with a pen and paper. Only time I write with a pen and paper is when I'm I'm signing a check. And as a matter of fact, I don't even like people sending me checks because then I got to They'll take a picture of it and wait for the bank to clear it and all that stuff. I'd say, look, just wire. Let's just do a wire transfer. It's the same thing. Anyway, the point is when I use Google Docs now, it has caught so many of my habitual misspellings that the autocorrect changes a lot of my misspellings before I even notice that I misspelled the word. And actually, what has actually done is gotten to the point that I don't even bother trying to spell every word that I type correctly. I know if I get it close enough that Google Docs is going to realize what I was trying to say, whether it's the word itself or just in a context of a sentence, and it's going to fix it for me or it'll underline it and I'll just tap on it and it'll say, oh, you meant to say this and I'll just you know, approve it or I'll, I can even set it to anytime I misspell this word this way, always autocorrect it to this way. So like, for example, when I type in the word you, Y-O-U, I have this tendency to sometimes type in Y-O-H. And if you look at the keyboard on your computer, on your phone, you can see that the H is like right under the Y and the U on the keyboard. So sometimes I type Y-O-H instead of Y-O-U. And just recently, I set an autocorrect in Google Docs. Anytime I type in Y-O-H, it just automatically changes it to Y-O-U, which means I'm going to keep spelling the word U wrong unconsciously. I'm not doing it on purpose when I'm typing. And is automatically going to fix my error. It's not going to require me to go and be more, uh, pay, pay more attention, be more vigilant with my typing or pay attention to even the misspellings that I'm making because it'll have already fixed it before I even noticed that I did it. This is, you might, this may seem trivial to you, but it's a way that it's a subtle way that has made all of us lazier. So I am now a worse speller 
because I don't think about it anymore. Now, I used to have to think about the way that I was spelling things because there'd be all these red lines and misspellings that I would have to notice in my proofreading process. Now, I don't proofread anymore. Actually, I do proofread, but I don't have to proofread the way that we used to, let's say even 20 years ago, simply because the computer, this you know, artificial intelligence does a lot of our thinking for us. It has told us, oh, you don't have to think anymore. Let me do all the thinking for you. And while it has increased our convenience, we can all agree to that. While it's increasing our convenience, has made us lazy. Now, when things become more convenient for you, you become lazier. It's as simple as that. If you had to chop wood for your fire to keep your house warm every night in the winter, but now the wood comes automatically chopped, well, your muscles are going to get softer because you don't have to go out and chop that wood anymore. Your hands might get a little bit, your hands aren't as tough because you don't have to be holding that axe and chop down those trees. You just don't have to do as much work physically, mentally, in any way then you're going to get lazier. Your body's going to get softer because you are not challenging yourself and the environment is not challenging you the way that it used to. This is just the natural, well, we can't call this natural. This is all artificial. The artificial way that we have all become a lot lazier. Any slight misspellings, as I said, got Google Docs corrects it and I might not even notice it. The access to these super smart applications have replaced our, what used to be our thinking and it's replaced our thinking with their thinking. So it used to be human thinking. Now it's automation thinking or app thinking or whatever you call it, microchip thinking, whatever it is, is doing the thinking. This means we don't use our brains as much. And though we are more efficient, we are effectively dumber at the same time. So we're not using our intelligence as much. We are not engaging our brains as much. And we all know the same. If you don't use it, you lose it. We stop using our brains as much because we simply don't have to. And our brains are getting softer. Our brains are turning to mush. So as we delegate more of our thinking to applications, to the media, to software, to anything other than ourselves, we actually need them, the applications and the media and the news. We need them even more because we keep giving more of our tasks over to them. And because our, now our brains and our minds are not as strong as they were a year ago, 10 years ago, now we need those apps even more. It's, it's just cycled. It just keeps repeating itself. We give a little bit of our brain work over to them. Let's say we started with 100% of our brain work was on us. We give 10% over to them. Let's try it out. And they do so well with that 10%. We say, okay, well, let's give it a little bit more. Let's give another 10%. So now we're giving it 20%. And then we give it a little bit more. Now we're giving it 50%. And it gets to the point that we're giving so much of what used to be our own brain work over to the apps that our brains are no longer strong enough to do that work on its own if we needed to. So now we need the apps. At first, it was just a convenient, little thing. It was a nice to have. Now it's a need to have. Because now if all those applications went away, if Google Docs went away and I had to write something and do my own spell checking, it would take me twice as long to write the article, not because I ran out of things to talk about, but because I had to do so much editing of my poor typing and my poor spelling because my poor spelling used to get me a penalty of having to fix it. And I stopped having that penalty. So I got softer. My mind got weaker. And this is happening to all of us in many areas. I'm just using myself as an example here. So we need them more because our brains are working less. This was a genius chess move by the app developers. I don't know if they had this planned out from the very beginning, but this is the way that it has worked out. And 100 years from now, when someone makes a, a Netflix documentary or whatever the, the app is called, it's going to have all the video 100 years from now. When they make a documentary about this. They're going to talk about exactly what I just said here. As a matter of fact, this is what they should do. I'm giving them verbal license right here. Take the clip from what I just said for the last five minutes and put this in your documentary. I'll be dead and gone, but my great grandkids can watch it and they can say, hey, that guy's from our family tree. 
what I just said, put this in the documentary so everyone understands exactly what happened. This was a genius chess move by the app developers, again, if they planned it out. If they didn't, then there was a great stroke of luck on their behalf that they just got things to work in their favor to the point that the more that we use their stuff, the more we need their stuff. And any of you who's a software developer, you want to build something that people will get and be tethered to for the rest of their lives, that's what you need. The more they use it, the more they need it. And that's when you got a winner. Point number two. Today's topic, once again, is how there is more information, but people are actually less smart. Number two, we have created these thought ghettos, or we didn't create them. They have formed. Thought ghettos have emerged that discourage critical thinking. I talked about critical thinking in episodes 1826 and 1827. How to understand and point out critical thinking and also how to be a critical thinker. Again, episodes 1826 and 1827, how to be one and what are the habits of critical thinkers? We have become dumber and less critical in our thinking because our mental swords, our mental weaponry, the stuff that we use to keep our minds sharp, those things have gone dull. All right, the sword that we used to use that could chop somebody's head off with a single blow, it can't do that anymore. Now it's more like a dull object. Now it's like a blunt object now instead of being a sharp object, simply because we aren't challenging ourselves to think anymore. We don't need to be challenged to think anymore because we have so many applications and algorithms that allege to do the thinking for us, but they're not actually doing the thinking for us. What they're really doing is programming us and telling us what to think instead of teaching us how to think or challenging us to think. We are engaging in these thought ghettos. We are engaging only with those with whom we agree. We only see content that confirms our current worldview. And it's so much so that, though out of sight and out of mind, we come to believe unconsciously that the worldview that we have, because it keeps getting reinforced with everything that we see, we start to unconsciously believe that this must be the only view that there is. This must be the correct view because everything that we're seeing, everything that we're hearing, everything we're reading and watching is confirming what we already believe. The algorithm is set up to do this, folks. In case any of you didn't know, I've explained this many times. One episode that I will refer you to is episode 1690, where I told you a big secret that the social media platforms don't want you to know. These platform algorithms are engineered to only show you things that they know that you agree with, things that you like, and things that you will engage with. And why do they care about that? Are they trying to create division? Not necessarily. The reason why they only show you things that they know you agree with is because If they show you stuff that you disagree with, then you might get upset, you might get angry, you might leave the app. The way these apps make their money is by keeping you on the app. So the things that keep you on the app are things that you like, things that you agree with, things that you're going to retweet and watch and read and click on and like and leave a comment on or whatever the things are that, and these algorithms, they know all this stuff. The engineers know all the answers to these, the things that keep you most on an Instagram or a Facebook, whatever they are, they might be different for each person, as a matter of fact. Some people is watching videos. Some people it's something that they're going to comment on. Some people is sending a direct message. Whatever it is, they know exactly what it is for you. And it's going to keep showing you more of those things that are most likely to get those actions from you because the longer you stay on that app, more time on app you have. And then the more they can sell ads and more money they make. And no, that's their business model. Remember, they are in business. All right. This is not a public service. What Facebook is not providing a public service, nor is YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or Twitter, or any of these platforms, they are all in business. And none of them is making money when you are not using their app. So whatever they got to do to keep you on that app, they will do it. 
And if that happens to result in thought ghettos forming, so be it. So again, thought ghetto was not their original plan. But if a thought ghetto happens to be some collateral damage, so to speak, from them executing their business model, then so be it. This is just the way that the game goes. So we have become dumber and our mental swords have gone dull simply because we are not being challenged to think anymore. We are just being given more material that confirms our worldview, even if our worldview may have some big gaping holes in it. And because any conflicting points of view are out of sight and out of mind, we unconsciously come to believe, well, there must not be a conflicting point of view because it's the only thing that we are seeing is what we already think. So if and when you go outside of one of those applications, you go out into the wider world and you are confronted with an idea or a view or an opinion that is outside of your worldview, instead of what we used to do just 20 years ago, instead of respecting that confronting opinion or that conflicting idea and engaging with it, which is, again, what people have done for centuries up until the last 10, 20 years, instead of engaging with it respectfully, now we just attack and ostracize it because it clearly, this, clearly this person just doesn't know what you know. Clearly, this person is not informed. Clearly, this person hasn't done their own research. Clearly, this person doesn't understand the science. Clearly, this person doesn't know what's going on. Has any of you ever used one of those phrases or had one of those phrases said to you? I know you have. And some of you are guilty of even using these phrases because you have been conditioned into these thought ghettos by artificial intelligence. This is just what's happened. And don't feel bad about it. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm telling you this because this is just the game that's being played and no one is immune to the game. As I say all the time here on the show, I mean, the show is called Working Your Game. Don't hate the players who are doing these things in the game. Don't hate Facebook. Don't get mad at them. And don't hate the game. Don't hate the things that they're doing in the artificial intelligence and the algorithm. Don't hate that either. And so what you need to learn how to do is play the game. I told you about this in episode 1210. Don't complain. Play the game. And another thing you can do, even if you don't want to play the game, maybe you think the game is too dirty and it's too immoral and you don't want to get involved. That's fine as well. Then the other thing you can do is be aware of the game. Be aware of what's going on and how it's going on so you don't get played. As long as you're not getting played, you don't have to engage in the game. Just know where the game is happening so you can make sure you stay away from it. All right, so when you're confronted with some views that go outside of your normal worldview, you don't immediately attack and ostracize it. You accept the fact that somebody might have a different point of view from you because you accept that this is just how life is. Everybody doesn't have the same ideas, nor should they. Point number three, today's topic, once again, is how we have more information, but people are actually stupider than they used to be. Number three. We have abandoned our responsibility to think, and we are, have now allowed other people to do our thinking for us. We've abandoned our responsibility to think for ourselves. It used to be that if we wanted some information, we went to libraries or we consulted encyclopedias. Some of you don't even know what an encyclopedia is. Some of you have never even been inside of a library. Can you imagine it? Anytime there was information that we didn't know, that's what we would do. Now, I'm not talking about when I say encyclopedia, I'm not talking about Wikipedia. I mean, an actual encyclopedia, for those of you who don't know what it is, it was actually a book and it would be a series of them. It will be a set of books going from A to Z of damn near any topic you could think of. It would be a bunch of information on any topic inside of that in one of those volumes of books. So, for example, when I was a kid, we had a set of encyclopedias in my home when I grew up. 
And it was like one book for the letter A, one for letter B, C, all the way through the alphabet. Anything you needed to look up, any certain topic, you could go to the encyclopedia. Let's say you're looking up dinosaurs. You grab the encyclopedia for the letter D, and then you would just in alphabetical order find dinosaurs, and there'd be a section in the book on dinosaurs. And it used to be this person. It used to be a job that I don't think this job exists anymore of an encyclopedia salesperson. And this person would go around door to door, knock on people's doors, come in their homes, sit with them and actually sell these sets of books that, again, were called encyclopedias that would it was basically putting a mini library in a person's home. Now, again, some of you millennials and Gen Zers have no idea what I'm talking about right now. Now, ask your parents or your grandparents or somebody who's a generation or two older than you about encyclopedias or just Google it and you can get a picture of it. These things did actually exist and it was not that long ago. This is how we used to get our information. I remember when I was in you know, elementary school or middle school and I had to do a report on a certain subject or I got to pick a subject to do a report on. I didn't go to the internet. There was no internet to go to. All right? I didn't go to my smartphone. There were no smartphones. I would consult the encyclopedias either at home or the encyclopedias in the library at my school. And as a matter of fact, do schools even have libraries anymore? Anyone who's in school right now, I'm not talking college. I know colleges have libraries, but uh, high schools. If I got any high school students listening to this or high school teachers or parents of high schoolers who are listening to this show, please get in touch with me and let me know, does your school or the school in question, let's say your child's school or whatever, does your school have a library and an actual librarian who works there? We used to have these people. Again, I'm, I'm giving y'all a history lesson here. And I'm not even that old. We used to have these people called librarians who their whole job was to sit in this room all day that was called a library. And it had in it a whole bunch of books. All right. And if you wanted to read something in the library, you could go in there, grab any book in there, any book. And you could sit down and just read the book. And it was free. You didn't pay any money. All right? The library was a public service. All right? Libraries did not cost money. You could sit in there and read any book you want. You could sit in there all day and just read books. And if you wanted to take a book home with you, all you had to do was create a little account with the, the library. For the most part, it didn't cost any money. There was a, it might have been a time, it might have cost a little bit of money. Maybe you get a library card and a library card might cost you, who knows, $10, who knows? I don't remember the prices. And then you could check the book out and you got to take that book home for a certain period of time, like a week, a month, whatever it was. And then you just brought the book back after you did whatever you did with it, brought it back and they would put it right back on the shelf. So imagine. All the all the things stopping people from doing that now, people stealing library books, people not wanting to touch a library book because it might have COVID on it. All these things that will block the libraries from working today. It sounds like I'm talking about some ancient time right now describing libraries. But again, somebody get in touch with me. And let me know. Do libraries still exist? I know they exist on college campuses, but I'm talking about in anything lower than that. Do we still have libraries? How the hell do kids get books or do they read? What's going on? You know, I see I got all these books over my shoulder right here. Y'all want one of my books. You can get it by the links down below in the description. But anyway, my point is another thing about libraries, as a matter of fact, is anyone can come in a library and just sit there all day and read. Whenever I'm outside in Miami and I see these people who appear to be homeless, these vagrants, and they're walking around, just walking around the streets, you know, sitting at coffee shops, sitting in benches outside, just standing around, panhandling, asking people for money. If libraries still existed, these people could just go in a library, is inside, you're protected from the weather, and they can sit in there and read books. You know, they might come across The Third Day by Dre Baldwin or you know, Work On Your Game by Dre Baldwin or Think and Grow Rich or 
some book that could uh, maybe give them a spark that could help them get to where they want to get to in life. But no, they don't do that. They're sitting at Starbucks asking people for a dollar. But anyway, different conversation for a different day. My point is, I'm still on point number three here. We have abandoned our responsibility to think for ourselves. We used to have to go do this when we wanted to know some information. We could ask around, see what information we could source from other humans. If they didn't have it, we had to go get it. And we had to really actually do some work to get the information, not just type something in our phones. We had to actually go do work to get the information. And we would learn in the process of accessing that information, we would learn things. Sometimes we would learn things that we didn't even know we were looking for in the process of accessing that information. Nowadays, we don't do that. Nowadays, we just go to Google or we go to Facebook or we go to some social media platform and we ask and we wait for someone else to tell us what we should think, wait for someone else to tell us what our opinion should be. Now, you might be questioning me right now saying, well, wait a minute, Dre. I mean, encyclopedias are written by humans, are they not? I mean, somebody wrote that. So they are telling you kind of they're giving you information, too, just as well as if you go to Google or Facebook, they're giving you information. I would say, touche, you are correct. However, here's the challenge with that. Platforms, these platforms these days, especially now I'm recording this in the fall of 2021, they no longer just give you information objectively. Now they give you their version of information. They're not just giving you objective information. Here's everything. Decide what you want. No, they are looking at everything. They decide what they want, and then they give you the parts that they want you to know about. That's the difference. And again, I told you this in episode 1690, what the social media platforms don't want you to know. They are not giving you objective, complete information anymore. They're giving you the piece that they want you to know and what they want you to think. They are telling you what your thoughts should be. And again, those of you who don't understand this game, you are taking that information that someone assigned to you. Then you're going and saying, well, I did my research. I got my information. I got it from here. Not understanding that they only gave you the part that they want you to think about, not the parts that they don't want you to know. So you think you are informed when you're actually not. Nowadays, again, we just wait for someone to tell us what we think, what the right idea is or the right, quote unquote, belief is. And they tell us what's wrong and they even supply us the wrong ideas and wrong beliefs so that we're ready and armed to attack anyone who would make the mistake of having that wrong idea. Some of this is, again, intellectual laziness on the parts of some of us, but some of it as well is fear. Some of it is just just as being afraid. And I'll explain what I mean. Being that we are social creatures, us humans, many of us fear finding ourselves on the outside of the circle, outside of the accepted beliefs of a group. And this is the reason why, I mean, if you look around the world today, so many people are being ostracized and attacked for not having certain ideas, not having certain opinions, not going along with certain forms of groupthink. And the reason why this happens, even though Somebody like me looks at it and says, this is like these people are like second graders. This is like some middle school lunchroom shit. Why are how are people even being persuaded by this is because it's ingrained in us as human beings It's ingrained in our wiring as human beings that many of us associate fear with being outside of the accepted group. And that is enough for many people out there. That threat is enough to move them to do something that they don't even want to do because they don't want to find themselves ostracized by the group. And that would lead to a bigger conversation on the subject of disagreeableness, which I covered in episode number 1698, why being disagreeable is the key to your success. If you haven't listened to that one yet, I would suggest that you do. So we end up going along to get along in life, not necessarily because we agree with the things that we're going along with, but because we're afraid of the repercussions of not agreeing. 
And all of these are contributing to how, again, we have more resources, but we all seem a lot less intelligent than we used to be. With all this said, let's recap today's class, which is how there is more information, but people are actually dumber. Back in the 90s, again, they talked about the information superhighway, and it was a real thing. It was not a lie. The information superhighway did get built. It does now exist. It is congested, but there's a ton of traffic. So how is there so much in traffic on an information superhighway but people seem less intelligent? I'm going to tell you why. Number one, the internet made us lazy. All right, we don't notice our spelling errors anymore. We don't think for ourselves anymore. We have these apps to do all our thinking for us. So when it comes to the point that we would need to think for ourselves, we are no longer capable nor qualified. Number two, thought ghettos have discouraged critical thinking. We get dumber and our mental sores get dull because we only engage with things and people with whom we agree. And then when we come across something that we don't agree with, instead of respecting and engaging with it as a critical thinker would do, since we don't think critically anymore, we attack and ostracize it because we believe that there can't possibly be a different opinion from ours because all we see is our own opinion reinforced every single day by the algorithms. Number three, we've abandoned our responsibility to think and we have allowed other people to think for us. We used to, when we needed information, we used to actually have to put effort into getting that information. These days, there's very little effort involved in getting quote unquote information, but it's not actual information because the information is being filtered by certain people and certain algorithms based on what they want you to believe, not what is actually true, not in damn sure, not what is objective. The game has completely flipped. And this is how we have all of this information these days, but everybody seems a whole lot less smart than we used to be. Now, if you want to be a smart individual, what I suggest you do is take everything I said here today and do the opposite. Now, send me a text if you want to get my daily motivation text every single morning. Text me at the number 305-384-6894. Once you do that, and we confirm that you are you, you'll get my daily motivation every single morning. And if you're a type of person, any of you professionals, entrepreneurs out there in business who want some assistance, some serious assistance with your accountability, with your strategy and your execution when it comes to your business and your life, personal and professional, then you might be a great candidate for my third day mastermind. It's the only one-on-one coaching I offer. It is my highest level offering. The way to get in is to sign up for a call with me going, by going down below into the description. There's a link there for you to sign up for a quick call with me. Work on your game. Dre all day. I have a text message line now where every single day from my number, I am sending out a text to everyone in my community with a daily motivation message to keep you sharp, focused and on point to get started and be energized for your day. If you want to receive my daily motivation text, just send a quick text right now to say hello to this number 305-384-6894. Again, 305-384-6894. Get my daily motivation text straight to your phone free of charge. 305-384-6894.